Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Bradford, as a, as a student, said, I will never stay in this city. And then 23 years later, I'm still, still there. Married to Shirley, and as Dave says, my wife Shirley and I pastor the Bradford campus. There we have two kids. And uh, pray for me because my little girl, my baby girl, starts big school next week. So I'm freaking out about that's a whole other level, people. And uh, so she's 11, and my little boy's 10, and they're awesome. So we're going to get into the word. Are you ready for the word today? Yes. Good. Just checking. Um, I'm going to follow on a little bit from uh, where Rich Martin left off. Who enjoyed Rich last week? Yes. Good. Talking about uncomplicated faith. And the thing is, life just seems to get more complicated, doesn't it? Especially when your daughter is going to big school. But just whatever it is in life, life just gets increasingly, increasingly complicated. And some points, it's good to just slow down a minute and just put first things first. Just get back to the basics, the building blocks, and go, this thing isn't supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to have an uncomplicated faith. And I want to share a little bit about that today and sort of follow on. In a moment, we're going to read a really uh, popular scripture, a scripture that you've no doubt read before, but hopefully we're going to shed a little bit of new light on it. If you're confused by my accent, I'm from Newcastle, by the way. Some of you are looking at me like I'm far away. It's like, it's, it's the Geordie thing. You'll get used to it. It's fine. And uh, in the scripture, just a little bit of context before we read it, Jesus has started his ministry. He's out there doing what Jesus does with the disciples. He's, he's performing miracles. There's miracles happening. He is healing people. There's healings happening all around Jesus. And he is teaching people about the kingdom of God, which is primarily what Jesus actually talk, uh, taught about was the kingdom of God. And let me just mention the kingdom of God before we read the passage. The kingdom of God in basic terms, is the rule and reign of God in action. The kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God in action. If you imagine for a moment, there's a kingdom and there's a king. And the people in that kingdom subscribe to the laws and the values and live under the power of that king. That's what we're supposed to be like with our father God, with our king Jesus, that he's the king and we subscribe to his values and his laws and his rule And that's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, God. We want to see his rule on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because God is perfect. He is perfect love. He is perfect peace. And in the world around us, you just have to put on the news to realize there's lots of areas of darkness in our world. Yet we know this is God's earth, but there is areas of darkness. And why? That's because the light of God has been pushed out by the the enemy and darkness has crept in. But we're called to be the light of the world. And Jesus has, has, has called us as agents of his kingdom to go and bring that kingdom, that kingdom of hope and of peace and of joy and of goodness and of justice. That's what we're called to be, agents of change on this earth. Is anybody up for being involved in that? Come on, it's a good thing. And so when Jesus is around talking about the kingdom of God, he's not, oh, the kingdom, isn't it lovely? No, he's like, we're going we're to change the world here, people. I'm letting you into something. We are going to change the world. I'm going to start with you disciples, and then we're going to go on from there, and we're going to change the world. And in this account, it's a, a nice story, and it's one of those stories where you go, oh, after it. But actually, it's a really, really powerful story because Jesus is teaching the disciples something that he thinks they probably should have learned by now. Let's dive in. Mark 10, 
verses 13 to 16. If you've got your Bibles, read along uh, or read it along on on the screen with me. Here we go. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Oh, see what I mean? It's like that. Oh, he was blessing the two. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Jesus. And we kind of color it in in Sunday school, that nice picture of Jesus with the children on his knee. But actually, this was a really powerful image. You see, the, the, the disciples tried to stop it. They were like, no, 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 you can't go and touch Jesus. And Jesus was, and, and the word that it says there when, um, when the disciples rebuked, actually, if you look at the origin of that word, it almost means to punish. They were like really going, no, those children cannot come to Jesus. And Jesus is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he rebuked them back and he said, no, they will come to me. I want these kids to come to me because disciples, you're not listening to me. Disciples, you haven't learned. You've been, I've been doing miracles. I've been teaching about the kingdom of God. I've been healing people and you still haven't got it. Stop it. Let the kids come to me because I'm about to teach you something. And when we read this verse, sometimes that's the, what God's trying to get our attention in the Bible to say, I know you've read this, I know you've understood this, but, but if the d- disciples didn't fully get it, sometimes we don't fully get it. And Jesus is saying, no, there's something about these kids that I want you to understand. And the, the, the picture is actually a, a really, really powerful one. You see, we, we kind of water this down sometimes. How many have heard the Bible verse, you've got to have faith like a child? Right. Right, it's not in the Bible. Oh, that's freaked us all out, hasn't it? It's not in there. It doesn't actually say. It says, receive the kingdom of God like a child. Now, faith, yes, faith is part of that, but it's not just about faith. If we think that it's saying have faith like a child, we're missing a whole bigger picture because Jesus says, I want you to receive the whole kingdom of God. I want you to to encounter me and bring my heaven to earth I want your experience to be such as these kids. And the title of the message today is such as these, such as these. It's like you saying to, the ki- saying to these disciples, these kids are the example of, one, of what I want you to be like. So what is it about these kids that Jesus is pointing out? Because it's not just about faith. And an interesting, interesting little aside, um, when I read that and I thought, we all think it says, you know, faith like a child. I then looked through the Bible for other things the Bible doesn't say. Are you ready? Are you ready to be freaked out, right? Things the Bible does not say. Number one, do you remember in the garden, right, in Genesis, Adam and Eve ate the apple? Yeah? No, they didn't. It wasn't an apple. It doesn't say apple anywhere in the Bible. It's not there. My world is crumbling. Like, many, many uh, theologians think it was actually a pomegranate. Mm. I'm not going to say it was or it wasn't. I don't, I don't know what it was because I wasn't there. When we get to heaven, we can find out. But the, at no point in the Bible does it say apple. Are you ready for another one? How many animals did Noah take into the ark? Two of each. Two of each. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> 
What we've all learned the song, we've colored it in in Sunday school. What, what Bible is Jock reading? Seriously, in the Bible, it does say two of certain types, but then it also says take seven pairs of other types. Oh my, I know this is changing our worlds here today, people. The <laughs> Bible doesn't say godliness is next to cleanliness. That's not in there. Neither does be in the world, but not of the world. It's not in the Bible. This has got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I just found it really interesting. I'll, but I will make a point on it, and my point would be this. Sometimes we just assume stuff's there, and we just hear it said, and we read it on Instagram, on a meme, and we go, oh, must be in the Bible. No, guys, we need to read the Bible. Seriously, we need to read the Bible for ourselves. I mean, they're, they're just funny little examples, but we need to get into the Bible for ourselves and, and really discover what does it say. But that aside... It doesn't say just faith like a child. It says, look at these kids. I want you, if you're going to receive the fullness of God and do what he's called you to do, I want you to be be like such as these, these little children. So I want to suggest to you three ways, and I've tried to slim it down because we could talk about this for a long time, but I'm just going to keep it to the hour and a half today. (laughs) Kidding. Um, We're just going to look at three that I think Jesus is calling out and saying, look, disciples, look at these kids. This is how I want you to be like. Are you ready? Okay, first one. First one is this, is dependence. Dependence. The the word that's used for the the little children here is is like little children. It's not, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. This is like little kids. This is babies, ones, twos, threes, and fours kind of age. This is really little kids that Jesus is interacting with. And you know how I said it looks like a nice picture? Actually, this moment Jesus creates is one of the most offensive things he could have done at that moment. Why? Well, because the disciples, and they don't get it, they're trying to stop the kids coming, but as you read around this, this was surrounded by a moment where the, the religious leaders at the time are trying to trap Jesus. They're asking him difficult questions and they're trying to catch him out. So he's being watched now because they're trying to find a reason to persecute him. So he's being watched. So you've got the religious leaders stood around. You've got the parents there. You've got the disciples. The parents are like, yeah, go to Jesus because Jesus is very welcoming. You know, kids don't go to somebody that isn't welcoming. That's an interesting point aside. But anyway, so the kids are going to Jesus. The, the disciples are like, this is wrong. The, the Pharisees would be standing there going, this is wrong. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to show you guys. Watch this. And he does the most offensive thing. He puts his hand on them and he blesses them. Now to us, we just read, oh, that's nice. That was deeply offensive to the religious leaders. Why? Because they believed that nobody could enter the kingdom of heaven unless they earned it, They worked for it. They kept every law and every decree and did every ritual and performed in a certain way and spoke in a certain way and did a certain routine. And for Jesus to just willy-nilly dish out the kingdom of God, this is, what are you doing? This is is like saying there wasn't two of every animal in the Bible. This is mental. And he puts his hand on it and he blesses them because those kids to these religious leaders were not candidates for the kingdom of God. But Jesus was saying, I'm showing you a new way. It's not about what you do for me. It's not about how you work your way into the kingdom of God. It's not about how you earn it. It belongs to these. These that are just ready to receive it. 
We're not going to strive and try. Because it's not about what we do. It's about what he does. It's not about us and our righteousness. You see, they were moving in their own self-righteousness, trying to earn their way into heaven. And Jesus is like, lay it all down. Because it's all about my grace. It's about my righteousness. And that's how we receive the kingdom of heaven. So in that understanding of dependence, I would challenge us. Are we, are we trying to prove something to God? You know, God can't love you any more or any less than he does now. It's not about what you do. And some of us need to get off that bus of striving and trying and trying to be something and just receive his love. When I think of dependence and I think of these little kids, I also think of, you know, when my kids were littler, because they're bigger and they were littler, that's what happens. And they, they were... Uh, they would depend on me for everything. I need a drink. You know, first it's you need a nappy change, then it's a need, you know, need a drink. And like, the, everything has to come through me as the parent. I have, to, I have to supply for them. I have to provide for them. And as a natural father, and I don't get it, definitely don't always get it right, and I try and do my best. But God is a good, good father, and he wants to supply all your needs. But here's the thing. How many of us know as parents that you don't always give your kids what they want? Because what they want isn't always what they need. Can I have another ice cream? Can I have another ice cream? No, because what will happen is you've had three. You'll, get a ma- you'll, you'll do spin around this room. You'll get a massive headache. You'll throw up, and then you'll be grumpy on your sugar low for the next two hours. So no, you're not having a fourth ice cream. But they want it. But I know as a dad, as a, as a good father, that's not what you need right now. And how many of us react to God? See, God's trying to parent us. God isn't a slot machine. We put a penny in, pull the lever, put the prayer in, pull the lever, stuff comes out. And sometimes we're praying and praying and praying to God, believing for something, and God's going, I can answer your prayer, but that's not what you need right now. What you want is not what you need. So what do we do? But I want it. But I want it, God. I want, and if, if <laughs> the lips going, <laughs> the quiver, well, 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 I'm not your friend anymore. <laughs> and then wait for it, the noise. <laughs> it's, always, it's always the noise. And God, God's over here, and he's like, crack on. <laughs> this isn't affecting Jesus on the throne, God still has an awesome plan, but your plan's over here. And what, what, what we're doing is we're having a tantrum and having a, our own self-imposed time out where God's here with open arms going, I know it's not what you thought it would look like. I know that job hasn't worked out how you thought. I know this parenting thing hasn't worked out how you thought. I know this career path hasn't worked out. I know your business, whatever, that ministry thing that you I know it hasn't, but I've got a better way for you. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to grow something in you. So, so, but, but we go off and we have a tantrum. We're expecting God to come up. No, God's, God's still here with open arms. Sometimes we just need to get over ourselves, just repent and just come back to God rather than having a tantrum and arguing because the thing is, we're supposed to be childlike, not childish. There's a big difference between childlike and childish. You can be in your 60s and be childish. But we're not called to be child. We're called to be childlike in the way that we receive God. So maybe some of us need to fight, stop fighting God on some things and actually depend upon his provision. Maybe we need to depend on him in our relationship again. You know, when my kids were little, ooh, daddy, daddy, cuddle, cuddle. There's a lot of that, a bit less of that now. Now it's a bit like, dad, you're so embarrassing. <laughs> so I'm a, it's a bit more of that. I still get cuddles, but... Um, and, and what happens is, as our kids grow up, you know, when they were little, they would come to me for that love and affection and care. 
And they still do, but as they grow up, they get a bit more independent, don't they? And I think that's the pattern of the world that we're supposed to. That's good. We're supposed to grow up a little bit more independent. But in the economics of the kingdom of God, I think we can get that a little bit wrong because the, the world is always going to push us to self-reliance and to put ourselves back at the middle and go and be independent. And I know for me, as, as I get older, now that I'm, you know, out of my 20s, um, I've discovered, oh, that didn't get a laugh here. Like, it, that's good. <laughs> I must still look young. That's good. I'm, over, I'm actually 41 now. And as I get a little, ooh, gosh, don't look at Jock. You look so young, <laughs> so virile. I know, stop. Um, as you get, as you get, older, I kind of figured that as I got older, I would have it more sorted. Like, I would, well, I've got it now. I get that now. Um, yeah, I've got, brilliant. You know, I've got, but what I actually find is that as I get older, I'll get more aware of my need for Jesus. I'll get more aware of how much I can fail and how I need his grace and how outside of him I can do nothing. And, and the idea, I believe, that in this upside-down kingdom is not that we grow in our independence, but it's actually that we grow in our dependence. Not get, yes, and I'm not saying that we need to be like mindless and not use our brain and be immature. I'm not talking about being childlike. Uh, Sorry, I'm not talking about being childish. I'm talking about being childlike in our approach. Do we still include God in the center of things? Here's Here's a question. If I was to take God out of your world, how, how different would your world look? You know, well, I just go to work, and that's where my money comes from, and I go home, and my kids are good, the kids are fine, they're in school, they're doing good, and we go out at the weekends, I go to church, and I read my Bible, and I say, yeah, but God's not been in it for the last two years, and we're just going through emotions. It's like, could it, could it be that we're actually losing our dependency on God, and, 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 and saying, no, I, I need you, God, in my family, I need to commit to prayer, and I need you, at the, I need you in my work, I want to go in every day to my accountant's firm, or my college, or that kitchen, I, I, need, I need to go in with you with me every day, at what point did we get so detached that we put ourselves in the center, and leave God to one side, could it be that in our dependency, we need to build more of that relationship, so first point, I think you get that, that should we grow in our, could we grow in our dependency on God upon his grace, upon his provision, and upon his relationships? The second area that I want to talk about is similar to the first, but it's, it's a little bit different. The second area is this trust, trust. Isn't it amazing how trusting little kids are? They're just, whatever you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, as a, as a dad, we try, and, uh, uh, we try and steward that right, but, but you know, Parents are always right, aren't they, when you're little? That's what Dad said, so it must be true. But as, you get, as they get older, they're not quite so much that way. Um, but we've all done those things where, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be great, it's going to be great. And then sometimes it doesn't sort of work out. And we, we, you know, as I say, I try and be the best dad that I can, but I'm not perfect. But I don't know about you, but I remember times where I've said to my kids something, and it hasn't worked out, and I've let my kids down. I remember one particular time I was, uh, we had the blessing of going to Euro Disney for a short holiday a few years ago, and so we're all excited, and we got there, and we'd had a good time, and we're not really, we're not really a, a like fast roller coaster family, we're more of an experienced, nice slow rides type family, and uh, it was really, really hot. And the, there was one queue that was totally shaded and had those nice fans that blow the mists of water. And I'm like, let's just go on that ride. And the ride was Crushy's Coaster. 
Okay? Now, for those uneducated amongst you, let me inform you. Crushy is the nice little turtle out of Finding Nemo. Oh, oh isn't that lovely? So you're thinking, this is going to be, you know, on the painting on the, you can't get more you, you can't get more you category than Finding Nemo, right? Do you know what I mean? This is really low stuff. And there's a nice picture, there's Nemo and there's Dory and all our little friends and they're playing in the coral reefs, you know, oh, this is going to be a lovely little ride. And my son looks at me and he says, Dad, but it says, it says coaster. I think it's a roller coaster. I said, son, son, okay. <laughs> It's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. What happened then was we got onto the roller coaster, and I'm still being a good dad, so I'm, I'm thinking, well, it might be a little bit fast, but I'm sure it'll be fine. So you sat in a turtle shell thing, two facing forward, two facing back. Now, I'm the type of person that gets sick on a train if I'm going backwards. So I'm like, excuse me, we're going in the front. Being a good dad, there you go, son. We'll face forward. Thank you very much. So we're sat, and it, t- and it goes, and it's, you know, it's going nice, and it's really smooth. And then, whoa, little corner. <laughs> whoa, that's all right, son. Whoa, that was a bit much, uh, but we're still fine. Uh, and we go through, and you go through the little jellyfish thing, and through the different experiences, and Nemo, and then it goes, a little, whoa, that was a bit much, but we can live with it. It's fine. This is okay. You're going to be fine, son. And then we go through a little bit where the sharks are. Bruce the shark. And he's sort of laughing. And uh, there's music and it getting a bit scary. And then I heard the sound. I'm thinking, what about this ride necessitates this noise? What? What about this ride necessitates this kind of incline? And we kept going and going and going. And I'm thinking, we are high up now. (laughs) What happened next? We're facing forward. It's very dark. In a split second... The whole shell turns around, we're backwards, and I can only describe it as we fell off the face of the earth. <laughs> and we're going round this thing, and the shell's going round. So I should be comforting him. I'm just going, ah! We're going round. And it goes round, it kind of slows down a little bit. I look over, I feel so guilty. I look over, there's a little tear coming down. His, and he, he just looks at me, he goes, I hate this as we go again. Cause, uh, and then it's kind of slowing down again. And I'll never forget this moment. He looked up at me with his big brown eyes. And bear in mind, for every ride up to this point, we've been giving them scores out of 10. Like, 10 out of 10, that was awesome. You know, 8, it was really good. 7, yeah, probably wouldn't do it again. But, you know, just as we're about to fall off the face of the earth for a third time, he looks at me and he goes, I give this a zero! (laughs) 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 It's... It's taken about two years for him to get over it, bless him. I felt so bad. But the thing is, when Jesus had these kids around, like, like with Hero, if I say to him, son, it's going to be fine. He's like, well, dad says it's going to be fine, so it's going to be fine. But what happens is through life, through things 
like that that happen where people let us down, where things don't work out like we thought, where we get those disappointments, where we pick up those fears, where we pick up those hurts. We go through life and the older that we get, we pick up this baggage along the way. And the idea of life is not that we're supposed to live with baggage and fears and regrets and hurts and disappointment. Jesus says, I've come to set you free. And Jesus looks at these little kids and he says, I want you to be like this. Not, not bound up, not full of hurts and despairs and disappointment. I want you to be so free that you just take me at your word, at my word. That when God says, this is going to be great, you're like, yeah, I'm all in. But what happens is our trust gets undermined. And we even started then those experiences that we've had. We started to find God through those experiences. We think, well, if people have let me down, what if God lets me down? And that's really dangerous because the only person that can define God is God himself. And so we have to uncouple ourselves. And, you know, sometimes we need some help to do that. We have an amazing course that we run called Keys to Freedom that you can get involved with. And it's not just for people that are, you know, I've got a major life controlling issue. Maybe you just need a bit of release from fear or maybe you just need some more confidence. And maybe maybe you just need to find a bit more freedom in your world because that's how God has called us to be. And unless we have that trust, here's the thing. Trust is the basis for our obedience. Trust is the basis of our obedience. Because how can you do, if I said to you, hey, jump off this bridge, you'd be like, don't really know you. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure I can trust you. You, you, you know, but if you knew me and, and you knew I was a good guy and that I had your best interest in heart, you'd be, like, you'd be way more likely to do it. And sometimes we're like that with God. God we know what God's saying, but we're like, I'm not sure. It's like when we get to know our God, that's when we step out in the really exciting stuff where he says, I want you to launch that. I want you to go for that. And rather than being held back by our own fears and disappointment, God's got more for you and he wants you to step out. What could you do? What could you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? It's a great question. We've heard it before, but you know, just think about that. Is there a part of our world where we just need to get back to that trust in God? The final one that I want to talk about today is, and I struggle to find a word to sum this up, but you'll know what I mean when, you t- when I talk about it. I'm going to use the word wonder, wonder, because kids just approach the world with such a joy, such an expectation, such a wonder. They're not confined to, to, to what people think and social boundaries. And, and when God says, you know, I want you to be like such as these, look at their appetite for life, their passion for life. Uh, you know, kids have this just like everything is awesome, isn't it? Everything is awesome. You know, everything's just, oh, that was the best burger ever. No, it wasn't because you're at McDonald's. That was like the best... <laughs> That was the best ice cream. That was the best day out. The number of times my son has said to me, that is the best day ever. You're like, I think you've forgotten a bit what other days were like because it wasn't that great. But to him, it's like, oh, it was awesome. And, and why? Because it's, it's not actually about the thing. It's not about the day out or the burger or the present. You know, think about Christmas. The kid gets a present. You spent 50 quid on it. And they're like, Wah! and then they spend longer playing with the box. So what? What's that about? It's, it's because it's their approach. It's their posture. It's an internal thing. It's not about the thing itself. Maybe it wasn't the best ice cream ever or the best burger ever, but kids have this thing that that was the best ever. Why? Because it's coming from inside them. It's coming from an internal disposition. And I believe Jesus was saying, look, disciples, look, people, I know you're going to have stuff going on in your world. 
And I know not everything's going to be plain sailing. I'm not saying just be mindless and be childish. But I'm saying be like a child in your approach to it. Where you just go, well, what if God comes through? And I can have hope and I can have peace and I can approach life with an excitement. Even in the, the normal things. The, the mundane, everyday things in life. You know, for kids, like, I love what for kids is a thing that isn't a thing for anybody else. Like running. As a kid is a thing. What are you doing? Running. It's like, that's not a thing. That, that's a, something you do to get somewhere. But to them, it's like, it's a thing. And, and you can imagine these little kids coming to Jesus and they're laughing, playing, and they're jumping on his knee and jumping off and pulling on his beard. I don't know if he had a beard. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> pulling on his long hair. And you, you, you can imagine it happening. Jesus is saying, no, you see how they're just enjoying life? for how it is. They're not trying to achieve something. They're not going, well, if I was doing, if I was head of my own company, then I'd be happier. If I was my own boss or if I was building this in the church. No, no, no. He's interested in just your running. You're building a family. You're going to college and going to school and being in that office, being a, a mum at home. What, whatever it is that you're doing in this season of life, God wants to be in that. And he wants you to find, not him, he wants you to find the joy in that. He needs you to press into him and go, where is my strength in that? Because your joy is a choice, and it's in our everyday lives. You know, kids are so creative. We used to play this game, and now that I say it out loud, I realize how ridiculous it is. Probably quite dangerous as well to do while we're driving. But we used to do this thing where we used to catch animals on the way home. This is when my kids were like two or three. We'd be driving down the road, and I'd say, Bella, Bella, look, ooh, ooh, a monkey. And she'd go, I got it, Dad. And she'd like lasso it or grab it. And she'd, she'd pretend to get it. She'd go, I've got it. I've got the monkey, daddy. And, and I'd go, hero, look, a lion. And he'd go, ah, I got the lion. And we'd be at, stop at the traffic lights. And he'd be like wrestling this imaginary lion into the car. And he'd go, dad, dad. I'd be like, what? He goes, the, the lion's biting the, the monkey's leg. And I'd be like, oh, no, what are we going to do? I'm like, put it in the boot. And he'd pull down that little flap between the seats. And he'd be like, ah. He's like, dad, it won't fit. I'm getting an imaginary stick from the back. Get in that boot. Get it in the boot. And it's probably, say, probably quite dangerous to do while you're driving. But, but we're just having fun doing the ordinary, everyday things. So I've just added joy and creativity. And I think God's looking at these kids and going, can we be more like that? Because there's enough darkness and heaviness in the world. Sometimes us as his children just need to go and bring a bit of joy and then a bit of life and a bit of hope. And so I'm going to invite the band just back up as, as we get ready to close. But I don't know where this has as, as met you today because, you know, called be, we're called to be such as these, such as these kids. And maybe for you that is a place where you need to go back to that place of dependence, dependent on his grace, depending on his provision. Maybe you're waiting for something that God's like, I've got a better way for you. Maybe you're frustrated with God because something hasn't worked out, but he's like, no, I've got a great plan for you. You need to trust in my provision. Maybe you need to get back to him at the center in your relationship with him. Maybe it's to do with, we spoke about trust and just trusting God that he is who he says he is and he will do what he said he will do. And maybe we just need to find a bit of joy and a bit of gratitude and thankfulness in it. Whatever you've picked out from today, I know I've thrown a lot of different things at you, but what we're going to do is we're just going to sing a song. Is that okay? Can we do that? We can. We're going we're to just sing and as the team are singing, 
I just want you to have a moment with God, and I'm not going to, it's not whether you sing the words or not, you just do what you need to do. But just in this moment, I just want to, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit just to speak to your heart and maybe point out something where, yeah, maybe I've picked up too much baggage and I just need to let it go. Yeah, maybe I've, I've not put you at the center, God. Maybe I could just pick up some more of your joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Maybe I could, I don't know, what, whatever it is for you today, just let the Spirit of God speak to you. And so as we, as, as we sing, just let, let, it, let that minister, let that settle, and let, let the Holy Spirit do what only He can do. Amen. Come on, let's